Hello and welcome to the podcast, Where Did the Rabbit Go? In this weekly podcast, we celebrate curiosity, critical thinking and evidence-based skepticism. I'm your host Marco and this is show 47 for Thursday, December 17th, 2020. We finally made it to the Christmas break. The semester is over. How are you guys doing? Ready for a well-deserved break? How will you spend this Christmas break? Yours truly will definitely relax a little and maybe binge watch a few things or read something. But I will also be producing more content. As I promised you last week, today's episode is going to be a little more personal. I will share with you my experience of what this crazy year 2020 meant for teaching. After the main segment, we will close the episode with five fascinating factoids. No particular theme there. So what do you say? Should we dive into this rabbit hole of teaching in 2020? I actually am working two different teaching jobs. In the mornings, I teach science in a bilingual middle school here in Monterrey, Mexico. I am in 8th grade, which means that the class focuses on physics. And in the afternoons, I also give German language classes to adult students in a local university. Before the pandemic hit, I would leave the house at 6 a.m. because the commute to work is long and there is a lot of traffic in this city, pretty much all around the clock. On days with German classes, I would be home after 9 p.m. And on the other days, as early as 4 p.m. I would use the long commutes for my own podcast listening. I really like both jobs. I like the teaching math and science just as much as languages. And I like the different student age groups, as well as the facilities of my workplaces. Something that makes this combination particularly interesting is the fact that the university campus I would constantly bump into students that I had in middle school classrooms between 5 and 10 years ago. And often we would have the time to catch up and chat, to remember the good old times, as well as finding out what we were up to now. But all of this suddenly changed in March 2020, when the pandemic arrived here, just as it did pretty much everywhere else around the globe. I remember that we all left school on that Friday, March 13th, and we were aware that our return to school was not certain. Europe was several weeks ahead of us in the curve, and they were already going through their first lockdown. Here in Mexico, we had a long weekend, because Monday the 16th was a holiday. And during those three days, the decision was made that classes could no longer be in the classroom. We teachers went to school on the following Tuesday to receive instructions and to take materials that we would need with us. And already on Wednesday, we would start virtual classes with our students. This was at school. We were very well prepared to start teaching at long distances. As for the language classes, the university took one week to organize everything, to get the Zoom accounts for the teachers ready, and to send all the information to the students. And then we would start with distance teaching on the following Monday, also quite quickly. Honestly, I thought that this would be something for a few weeks. 
You see, it was only three weeks until spring break, and I had the hope that rigorous social distancing during those three weeks of classes, plus the two weeks of vacations, would help us get rid of the problem. Remember, in one of my first episodes, I was desperately asking people to stay at home? The thing is, here in Mexico, we already had experience with such a social distancing period. In 2009, there was an outbreak of swine flu. Immediately, all classes were cancelled and had to take place online. I remember back then, we would use MSN Messenger to communicate with everyone. I also remember that during two weekends, all sports events were held in empty stadiums. Sounds familiar? But after only 10 days, we were going back to normal, with face masks for a few more days, and then that virus was no longer a problem. So I had the hopes that we could achieve the same thing. But this time was different. This coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, had already spread into all continents and was much more contagious. So we had to get used to this new normal. Here in Mexico, for nine months, all teaching has taken place online. We made a lot of adjustments, figured out what works and what doesn't. So here is my experience. First of all, I miss being in the classroom. Although we are making it work with online classes, nothing can substitute being there in the classroom with your students, especially with the younger ones. You see, we're not only teaching a subject to the students. School is a whole social ecosystem, and going there, although it might have been tedious for many, was an important part of everyone's lives. For many students, the physical classroom also was a safe place. And many have told me, only after a few weeks, that they urgently wanted to be back in the classroom, and that they now really appreciate what they had. And let me tell you, also for us teachers, it is much easier to be in the classroom. First, it is always great to see our kids, because we pretty much adopt them for the time that they are with us. And we can immediately see if they are okay, or if something is going on. And we can be there for the students in difficult times, support them one-on-one -on -one when they are struggling with something. All this has become a lot harder with online classes. It is very difficult to read the expression on a kid's face when all you can see is a tiny window on your computer, sometimes very pixelated, or when the image is freezing a lot, or worse, when the students are turning their cameras off. This was the first thing I noticed. The roll call needed more time, as well as asking students to turn their cameras on and to mute their mics. On the other hand, there are other interruptions at school which do not happen during online classes. No counselor, janitor, fire drill, or talking students will interrupt the flow of the class. But some students, you barely get to see. I get to see a lot of windows and ceiling fans. Yeah. Still, we were forced to change the way that we think about classes. At least many teachers were. If your teaching style is giving a lecture, then you had a problem with this new normal. Luckily, I like to mix it up in classes and try to keep the lecture part down to the first minutes of the class. Because you see, I like to talk. Hello, podcasters. Anyway, for me, the most important part has always been 
the student activity. That is where they show you if they understood and can apply the concepts, or if they still need help. And this can usually be assessed in many ways. A student could come to the board to solve or explain a problem. They could have a poster or a PowerPoint presentation, a debate, some kind of project and a worksheet. And yes, of course, quizzes and tests. All of this can happen in a virtual environment. But the significance has shifted. Think about it. In the classroom, you would form groups and have those groups sit together if you wanted them to create or discuss something. And then the teacher would walk around. Now we have the option to create breakout rooms on the virtual platforms like Zoom. It is very easy to create customized teams, as well as randomized ones, in an instant, which is great. But the teacher can only be present in one of those breakout rooms at a time. Which means that we will have no idea what's going on in the other groups. In the classroom, even while attending one team of students, you can still perceive what's going on with the other ones. Online classes also have some advantages. Students really have no reason to miss a class anymore. Even if they are sick or have to be absent from a class. I'm recording one class per day and I'm sharing that on Google Classroom. So together with the instructions and the work material, they can watch the class later. In the worst case, students have to watch the replay. But the excuse of not having been to class, it really doesn't exist in this virtual context. Let's talk about the part that is often most disliked by students. Quizzes and tests. They are a very important tool of assessment, both formative and summative, which means as checkpoints during the learning process as well as the final goal to close a whole unit. Very often, they are assessing memorized information. Let's just be honest about that. And this is precisely why tests are so widely criticized. The thing with memorized information is, in this context of the virtual classroom, how can we know if the students have honestly memorized the information? They could just be using their notes or calculators or dictionaries or plainly Google something while taking the test. But then, on the other hand, in their real life, they will have all these tools at their hands anyway. Shouldn't we prepare them for a reality where they can use Google and the calculator and whatever? So I personally have come to the following conclusion. Especially quizzes are still useful, but as a formative assessment, as a quick checkpoint during a unit. And they can be even gamified. I'm sure you all heard about Kahoot, or you have even used it yourself, be it as a teacher or a student. Quizzes are a great way for a teacher to assess what topics need to be reinforced and which students must have more attention. But are they still good as an end of all means? Surely not in this 2020 context. You see, in the classroom, a teacher would walk through the lines and see what students are up to while they're taking the test. At least I would. I could not just stand still or sit still behind my desk. But how can we make sure that students are honestly answering such a test in a virtual environment where maybe even the camera is turned off or at an unfavorable angle? Of course, we could change the format of the tests. 
Instead of being a series of closed questions, multiple choice, true, false, and others, how about only a few open questions, where students need to reply in a paragraph each? This would still give us an idea if the students have learned, and we can easily check if the work was done honestly or copied from somewhere else. But of course, this will require much more time and effort from the teacher to check than the multiple choice tests, because now you have to read everything carefully. And honestly, I have become super quick checking multiple choice tests when I enter my stage of hyperfocus. It's almost like a quiz checking machine at work. Or what about this alternative? Why not give much less weight to tests and more weight to projects? Project-based learning, PBL, has been a trend and many schools are pushing it and training teachers towards it. PBL makes it possible to differentiate better, to give students tasks that are equally challenging to them, depending on where they are currently. Products of those projects could be essays, graphic presentations, a podcast, a video, a debate, or many other options. And I think this is really the way to go. Experts have been recommending this for quite some time now. Go away from lecture-style classes and from tests of memorized information and go towards project-based learning and towards the flipped classroom. In a flipped classroom, students would acquire the information by themselves, which otherwise the teacher would have handed them in a lecture. And during class time, that will be used for work, practice, application, which would traditionally have occurred in homework. So the whole process is flipped. This pandemic has forced many teachers to take this step. In a way, maybe this whole new virtual learning situation has been a necessary push in the right direction. Hopefully we will keep it up once the worst of the pandemic is over and we can all return into the classrooms. Something that I have learned to appreciate is the product of the explain video. Sometimes I will ask students to record themselves explaining some key concepts in their own words, in free speech. Like this, I get to hear them one by one, and I actually get to see their faces. It helps me make a connection with this year's students that I have never seen in person inside a classroom. And it's important for me to assess whether they have understood the concepts or if they're still struggling. And I think it's a great tool, but it should not be overused. Because, and this is the only downside, it consumes a lot of time. Right now my students had to record a 3-minute video as a final project for this semester. At 100 students this means 5 hours of video watching time for me, plus the time to think about it and grade them with a rubric. This is no amount of time that a teacher can spend every day after classes in the daily routine. Also I noticed one thing in these videos. The students are doing a great job. They are explaining well and mostly in free speech. But it is a chore for them. And watching these videos I can clearly notice that only for a few it was an enjoyable task. So it just occurred to me for the next time I will disguise this as a TikTok challenge. Why not incorporate this platform, which has been the latest sensation, and all students know their way around it much better than most of their teachers? We don't even need to connect on the platform. We just use the style of the videos as a guideline. Yeah, 
I shall try that in the next unit after the Christmas break. In conclusion, we have been working remotely in schools and university in Monterey for the last nine months, and it will most likely go like this for another six months until summer break. All of us, of course, are lingering for the return into the classrooms. We all need this human connection, and although we are trying very hard, it will never be the same through a screen. I am, of course, recording all of this from a privileged position. I'm working in a private school, which has the resources to keep things going. We have all the necessary tools and accounts to give the classes, to make evaluations, and connect with our students on a daily basis. And we also have an IT department to help us solve any issues, and we have counselors that are an additional support for students. Still, it has been a challenging year for everybody. But I get that not all schools are so lucky, especially in the public sector. And here's how this is, quote-unquote, working in Mexico. The government had the idea to record classes and transmit them on special channels on national TV. For each grade level, there are three hours of material every day, including breaks with physical activity. That does not sound too bad, especially given that many people do not have the financial means to buy one computer or tablet for each child in the house. Unfortunately, for some schools, this created the attitude that classes are already given and their teachers do not need to give class anymore. And those who do often only connect once per week to solve doubts. Each teacher often has six or seven groups with over 40 students in each group. So often they are trying to fit these over 250 students into one 30-minute Zoom meeting. That can't work. And when the students turn in their classwork, they hardly ever receive any constructive feedback. Teachers often just check if the student turned in something. Additionally to that, there are also students who have never, ever connected to any of the classes in the entire year in the public sector. Again, in my school we are lucky. We have reasonable group sizes and all the tools and infrastructure which allows us to connect with them every day and not miss out on any student. But I fear that this year had not been working in the public sector. Conditions are simply not favorable. Our government will have to come up with a plan for what will happen when we get the summer break. Will all students in the public sector move up into the next grade level, even if most of them will not have met the learning goals of the previous one? So far, everything I have said applies more to my job in middle school, but also kind of to the German classes with the adults. I believe that the teacher is an element that cannot be taken out of the equation, says the teacher. Well, teachers are essential for learning to happen. But we had to adapt. Giving classes is not the same right now. You cannot simply go on the way you were teaching in the physical classroom. We need to be more flexible. But, and this is something 2020 has taught us, a physical classroom is not essential. We can make it work without a classroom. I personally think that we should go back to schools as soon as it makes sense, yes. But for small groups, like my language classes, or for tutoring, the virtual model seems to work just fine. I remember that 
One of my first jobs here in Monterrey was a small language school. And I noticed that over 80% of the money that the students were paying went to the owner of the school for his expenses. And less than 20% went into the teacher's salary. And I always thought that it was too bad that we needed a physical classroom. Because there would always be a third party involved. Or we would have to rent a place somewhere. But that was 10 years ago. Things have changed. Now that argument does not exist anymore. We can connect virtually from anywhere now. There is no need to pay most of the money to somebody who just puts the building, but does not even give the class. This makes it possible that the income for the teacher is greater and the cost for the student is lower, and it makes us a lot more flexible. We can personalize the experience for the student. The pandemic has opened new doors. And I can see this with the language classes. It's not even necessary anymore for the students to be in the same city as the teacher is. In one group, only half of my students are here in Monterrey, and the others were in cities all over the country, from the Pacific coast all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. And I know of language teachers who occasionally even have a student who is in Europe or in South America. All this could not have been possible with presence classes. I wonder what it will be like when some part of the population is already vaccinated and the other part isn't, because I'm pretty sure that being vaccinated will be the requirement to return into the classroom. So we will probably get a so-called hybrid model, where some students will take the class in the classroom and others simultaneously, or not simultaneously, from their homes. And in some cases, the teacher will still give the class from home. I wonder how much extra work will this be. And when it's all over, will the hybrid model stay? Can families opt to have their students attend a certain school, but virtually from home? What do you think about these questions, dear rabbits? Please share your thoughts with me. Okay, to close the episode, here are five fascinating factoids. Just some random ones. There's no theme this week. Number one. All the pictures that you see of our entire Milky Way galaxy are not pictures of the Milky Way galaxy. Think about it. In order to take a picture of our Milky Way, we would have to take the camera outside of it. Just think about your house. If you want to see what your house looks like from the outside, you have to go outside and take some steps back. We have not even come close to send something out of the Milky Way. So what we actually look at when we see those pictures are artists' illustrations, or sometimes even pictures of other galaxies that have the same shape as ours. Number two. The faster an object travels through space, the slower it travels through time. This is essentially the best way to explain the theory of special relativity in one simple sentence. It doesn't have to be complicated. People think it's so complicated. Einstein discovered that space and time are connected in the four-dimensional space-time. And if you move faster through the space dimensions, then you will move slower through the time dimension, and vice versa. The extreme points are that time moves as fast as possible for stationary objects, and time stands still for objects at the speed of light. 
Number three, every C in the name Pacific Ocean is pronounced differently. Let that one sink in. Every C in the name Pacific Ocean is pronounced differently. Number four, most Canadians live south of Seattle. Look at the map. Most of the U.S.-Canadian border is a straight line. But there is a part in the east at the Great Lakes where Canada extends a bit more to the south. And that's where its most densely populated areas are, including cities like Toronto and Montreal. A total of 64% of Canada's population live south of Seattle. And number five. If you were shot by a sniper, you would be dead before you could hear the gunshot. The speed of sound is approximately 340 meters per second. But a bullet fired from a rifle travels at 760 meters per second. That's more than twice the speed of sound. So the bullet would arrive much earlier than the sound. Before we go, remember that for the Christmas break I'm planning for some extra content. We will dedicate one episode to examine some psychic predictions that had been made for 2020. What did they get right? What did they get wrong? And what did they miss? And what can we expect from the new year? All that is going to be a recurring theme, hopefully. But I want to know from you, dear rabbits. Did you see 2020 coming like this? And what do you expect from 2021? And is there any particular psychic medium that you would like me to take a look at? Give me those names. I would also like to know uh, which events or news stories have impacted you in this year 2020. Dear Rabbits, this is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening. If you like the show and you want to support me, there are very easy and painless ways to do so. You can rate and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. That would make it easier for other people to find the podcast as well. And please subscribe to the show and share it with people you think will enjoy it. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. You can find all the links in the show notes. Stay safe and stay curious. Until next Thursday, I am Marco and this has been Where Did the Rabbit Go? Where Did the Rabbit Go?